Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Welcome to Netflix and Swill, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. And I'm very mad. I have nothing clever this week. I'm just very mad. Because as I'm finishing watching another JoJo's Bizarre Adventure episode, uh, it's the one with the submarine. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it's the, the second of the two-parter with the submarine. When uh, Polnareff and Kakyoin do their like secret handshake. Yeah, for five uh, minutes, and then Joseph's like, "We really should leave." <laughs> yes. Uh, so there's the, so that's the, that's what I watched this week. Don't worry about it. Uh, so at the end of that episode, they're staring off the coastline of fucking Egypt, and then all of a sudden, the picture freezes on my television, and I'm like, "Oh, that's interesting." And then uh, it just is frozen for a while, and I'm like, "What's <laughs> going on?" So I start pressing a bunch of buttons. Nothing's working. So I turn off the TV, or I attempt to turn off the TV. It doesn't turn off. And I'm like, oh no. So I unplug it from the wall. Well, I plug it back into the wall, and it doesn't turn on. I've had this TV for a little over two years, and I'm pissed the fuck off that my TV no longer works. Gremlins got it. So uh, I'm currently looking into, uh, I've currently bought a new power cable. For the TV, because I feel like all the other ones I have don't give it like don't send enough power to the the television itself. So I will instead uh, hope that a new power cable does it. And if not, I have to take it to a service repair center. Uh, And the latest my uh, power cable will get here will be Wednesday. So I won't be able to take the TV until Thursday which likely means that I won't be able to watch anything on my TV for the next week. Yikes. So yeah, I'm I'm fucking mad. Just incredibly fucking angry. I don't know. I have three thoughts. I've had things like that happen to me in the past, and the solution was to leave them unplugged for like two to three days so that the capacitors completely discharge and like the memory resets and then plug it in. Because it's more than likely a software fault because everything runs on a fucking computer these days. Yes. Um, My second thought is uh, TVs are probably designed with with that in mind so that you have to buy a new one because nobody gives a shit about anything. Yeah. My third thought is my wife has had like our living room TV since I think like two years before we met. Uh, it's a huge fucking flat screen. It's heavy as shit. It's not 4K, but like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And we've gotten, you know, I think she got it as a Christmas gift. And yeah, we've gotten years and years of use out of it. And that's probably the last time I'll ever have a piece of electronics equipment last that long. Yeah, that's probably true. And it just feels like everything's set up to, set up to fail within like five years. Five years, like, yeah. forced, uh, what's a, what's a, I can't remember what it's called, but, like, 
I think Apple is getting sued over it from like the EU because the EU actually compare like cares about its citizens and therefore argues on their benefit instead of just bowing down to the companies whenever they want. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'm hoping that the power cable fixes it. And if not, I hope it's a relatively easy fix. So whenever I take this TV to the uh, service center, that it just fixes. And of course, uh, today was Best Buy doing a a deal of the day where they had like another 65 inch television because that's the size of my TV uh, for like nine hundred dollars. And I'm like, well, I can either gamble on a ten dollar power cable. Uh, probably two hundred dollars worth of repairs, or I could buy a nine hundred dollar television. So yeah. uh, we're just we're just gonna gamble with two hundred and ten dollars. Hopefully, I I haven't called anybody. I don't know a, a rough estimate of pricing. I'm assuming it's it's not going to be more than a couple hundred dollars. I don't know my uh, <clears throat> I think my TV's a fifty two or fifty four inch. Sixty five inch is fucking huge. What a what a life of decadence you lead. I do. Uh, that's from not paying any, really any amount of rent and uh, no kids. That tracks. So how are you? I'm good. I love it. I love it when people find out that I don't have kids and they're like, oh, it must be nice. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. it is like be more jealous. Oh, you'll understand it when you have kids. No, nope. will I? Will I, Phyllis? Nope. We don't need it. I'm good uh, without the ch- the children. I don't know why I chose to take out my passive aggressiveness on Phyllis, but here we are. It's fine. Phyllis probably deserves it at some point. All right. Um, I'm fine. This brings us to what's your swill. Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. <laughs> Stay away from the cans. Uh, and Dan, what your swill is. My swill is water. I haven't drank any water all day. I, I think I had maybe one of these, which is a 24-ouncer, and that's it. So I need to drink more water today. I'm glad I decided to have something other than water. Um, I have a bunch of random crap from house parties of days of yore uh, that I'm still trying to get rid of. I bring it up every so often and, you know, slowly whittle away things. I had, like... A quarter bottle of Southern Comfort. And I was like, I will never, ever use this for anything. And then I had like five open things of lime juice in my fridge. And I was like, these go together. So I made a SoCo lime shot, but like okay. several and put them in a low ball glass with some ice. Uh, it's so it's like a kind of half ass whiskey sour. Uh, it is bracing. It's I don't really <laughs> enjoy it. Uh, a lot of that might have to do with I just recently brushed my teeth. Oh, that's <laughs> so definitely citrus, part of the problem. Citrus isn't great, but I'm uh, consuming resources that have otherwise been, you know, squandered. Yeah, uh, I, I will say I had a mojito or in my approximation of a mojito last night. Uh, it didn't turn out great. It didn't taste like yeah. anything. That's she, so. She used fresh mint. Yes. Watermelon choo-choo. Yeah. Did you uh did you muddle the mint with ice? Uh that that's the problem. And I don't have I don't have a muddler. And I I have nothing that actually requires like 
that I can use to 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 mojito. So like, I I took the mint, I ripped off the leaves, and then I fucking just smacked them with my hand a lot. Huh. That was my approximation of a muddle. You should have used uh, like one of those little grinder things for your weed. I'm sure you could find one of those somewhere nearby. Uh, I don't think. I don't think if anybody would have that. Maybe, maybe Ashley's dad. I don't know. I don't know if uh, I don't know if weed culture is still the way it was when I was in high school. Oh, it's never been for me. I've never. Uh, I'm not a weed person. The struggle was so weird, so real for me in high school that like ninety percent of the times I've ever uh, done drugs, we smoked it out of a crushed up pop can. So that sounds right. There, <laughs> there is no one more resourceful than a sober uh, stoner. Oh yeah, because now I'm thinking about it. Like I, I've been at parties where they were basically smoking a bowl out of a fucking crushed up aluminum can. Yeah, which it has to be really bad for you. Oh, I'm sure. I don't think anybody gives a shit. They're just like, I want to get high. My voice used to be like two octaves higher, so. It's all the aluminum shavings that I have in my lungs. That's all right. I have a horrendous cough from ripping so much cotton. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Should we do the show? Yeah, let's do the show. It's going to be a short one. Uh, Probably not a lot of opinions that are going to be differing on anything ever. All right. It's the news time. Oh, shit. It's mail time. Uh, the recruit has been renewed for a second season. Uh, okay, so in terms of viewing numbers, because this is the only thing I know, it did worse than the Lincoln lawyer, pieces of her, and more famously, uh, 1899. Now, that being said, uh, according to Casey Moore of What's on Netflix, he told me uh, the what uh the season 2 re- like renewals uh webpage on what's on Netflix was actually a hotly visited topic after uh a couple weeks on the uh, after release of the show so it felt like a lot of people were completing the show and really enjoying it so they wanted to see a second season so i feel like the completion rate was high on the show which we know on 1899 it was not it was not high so i'm guessing over 50% but i don't know for sure Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I had to uh, look at Netflix to remember what it was. Yeah, Noah Centineo traveling around the world to do lawyer shit, which is really just secret agent shit. Fighting around the world. Does anybody remember that South Park? Yes, I do. (laughs) Was it Russell Crowe? He would just travel to different countries and... Fight, fight the native people there. Yeah, with with his, with his uh, trusty boat Tugga, or Tugger, <laughs> but he called it Tugga. Oh uh, shit! I like whenever South Park fixates on a random celebrity, and it's just like we need to take this person down a peg. And then sometimes that person's Barbara Streisand, and she throws a fit about it. So they're like, we need to do this once a year, every year for the next six years. Harder, and then. And then also Sally Struthers, but she at least learned her lesson. 
where they, where everyone was like, "Oh my god, they made Sally Strong. This is horrific." And then yeah, fucking, and then she shows up again. <laughs> she's a job of the hut. <laughs> what the fuck? That was the funniest fucking thing. Starving Marvin in space is such a classic episode. Oh, it's great. Me, Marklar. You, Marklar. We all Marklar. Those Marklars want to take your Marklars. <laughs> Welcome Ky- to Marklar, home of the Marklar. Fucking Kyle's end of episode speech where he just says Marklar for every proper noun is hilarious. <laughs> you see, I learned something today. Yeah, it uh, it continuously surprises and delights me that South Park continues to exist in today's political climate. I think that the it's just like they've been doing it forever. They've proven they don't give a shit, so nobody is gonna like devote the energy to like talking about it because right. they're you know because they don't care. Yeah. All right. Uh, that was us talking about the recruit. We promise. Yeah, the Marklar. Starring Marklar Marklar. He go Marklar goes around to Marklar <laughs> to save Marklar from Marklar. Oh my god. Can we make that all like if I don't if I forget to watch a movie or do something stupid or like miss it before it leaves Netflix, like that's just gonna be my review for movies from now on. That's fair. Uh and I'll burn this whole show to the ground. Because nobody wants to fucking watch that. Uh, with that, we'll go into downstream and talk about some trailers for stuff that might be interesting to us. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Alright, our first trailer this week is for We Have a Marklar. You would, see, I was going to try to cut in and do this exact thing. <laughs> Finding a Marklar named Marklar haunting their new Marklar turns Marklar's Marklar into overnight's Marklar Marklar Marklar. <laughs> this is such an obscure reference that no one remembers. <laughs> but when Marklar and Marklar go go rogue to investigate the Marklar of Marklar's past, they become the target of the Marklar. <laughs> Why are we so stupid? Uh, oh, right, man. Do the real thing now. Okay, uh, the first trailer is for We Have a Ghost. Finding a ghost named Ernest haunting their new home turns Kevin's family into an overnight social media sensation. Uh, but when Kevin and Ernest go rogue to investigate the mystery of Ernest's past, they become the target of the CIA. Uh, after finding a ghost with a murky past haunting their new house, family... Becomes internet sensations and targets of a shadow government agency. Bring in Noah Centineo. Yeah. Uh, so this has Anthony Mackie uh, and David Harbour as the ghost. Um, I don't know if I recognize the kid in it from anything who actually is like the one who bonds with the ghost. Uh, they have Jennifer Coolidge as like a medium who finds out that it's actually a ghost and like, she can't just like prey on this family for money or whatever the fuck. And she sees the ghost and jumps out a window, which is pretty funny. This basically looks like, uh, if ghostbusters and ET had sex, I can see that. Cause it's like, uh, I don't know, like the CIA wants to bust this ghost because busting makes them feel good. Um, Mm -hmm. But the kid's trying to get 
like the ghost and the kid go on a cross country adventure. So like the ghost is haunting the house, but he could have just gone wherever. Yeah, I guess because he just goes with them. Or maybe they have to like, you know, bring one of his bones or something, you know, so he can bind himself to the physical plane. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know also, how ghosts work. There's part there's part of the, the trailer where he's in like he's just in the middle of the street and then he like in the middle of the market through a fucking cop car to sit in the passenger seat of the cop car. Mm-hmm. So who knows? So, yeah. Could be fun. It's David Harbour doing a comedy role. Also, it's the director of Freaky. Which I don't know if anybody... Uh, there, I know a few people who listen to this show know what Freaky is. Uh, but basically, Freaky is a 2022... Or a 2020 comedy where uh, Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton... Uh, Vince Vaughn playing a serial killer and Catherine Newton playing uh, a teenage girl switch bodies. So Catherine Newton's body now becomes a serial inhabited by a serial killer, and Vince Vaughn is inhabited by a, a teenage girl. Hmm. So yes, uh, this is his. This is uh, what is his name? Christopher Landon's highly, I guess, sought after sequel or like follow up to Freaky. Oh, also, this guy did. He wrote the the screenplays for Paranormal Activity 2, 3, and 4. Also, Paranormal Activity, the marked ones. Then he did Happy Death Day to You, and then Freaky. Oh, and then he did next, Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. So you're just looking at his IMDb page? Yeah. Do you look at his picture? He's like no. uh, kind of a beefcake, you know? Oh he's my like, god, what, what a chad. My yeah, god. He's like... He's like, uh, you know, this is what optimal male performance looks like. <laughs> Total Chad, bro. What a Chad. My God. Now I'm going through his actual photos. That's there, fucking funny. There, there's a there's one of him in a white T-shirt. That's the most chatty photo I've ever seen. Dude, It's like he's directing people, but he looks like he's the leading man. That's yeah. That's crazy. Huh. This guy, you were just a writer? No, nobody tried to fucking pigeonhole you into acting? He probably sucks at it, honestly. He probably I mean, tried. He might, but like, they were like, eh, maybe not. I mean, he might suck at it, but like, there's a lot of people who fucking suck at it who are working in Hollywood. Yeah. Like, see former WWE superstar, insert name. The Rock? Yes. Okay. No, the Rock's the the best actor ever. He's you know, uh, Black Adam's really opening doors for him. Uh, you know, like ones that have signs above them that say "exit." <laughs> I'm glad people started catching on to his bullshit. Finally, whenever he, whenever he fucking promotes a movie, when he was like, "Black Adam is fucking gonna save the DCEU," and we're, and I'm just like, "No, it's not." It's never that's never, and everyone's like, oh, my God, The Rock's finally going to save everything. And it's like, no, yeah. he's not. What are you talking about? Not just see like not just save the DCEU, redefine it in such a way that it destroys Marvel. Yeah. And The Rock is the center of it. My, my favorite was whenever he came out about and talked about Red Notice and said, I'm raising the, the, the bar on Netflix. And it's like, no, you're not. Like, and people ran with that being like, oh, The Rock says Netflix movies suck. And it's like, I mean, 
he didn't say that, but like the rock isn't going to fix that either. Mm hmm. Like, don't buy Just don't buy into his bullshit. Just don't listen to this man. Yeah. He used to get hit with chairs for money. He's not a smart person. He not even hit with chairs. He's been hit in the head with unprotected chair shots for money. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we we have a Mark Lar looks fun. Uh, it's going to be main view topic because uh, February is bleak. Let me tell you that to the point where we're watching like older stuff because there is very little to talk about. Oh, yeah. All right, our next trailer is The Marklars. A perfect Mar- a Marklar. A perfect Marklar. <laughs> I'm done, I promise. I'm done with the Marklar <laughs> joke. Uh, consummate professionals. Uh, the Strays. A perfect life. A perfect lie. Uh, An upper middle class woman's perfectly crafted life begins to unravel with the arrival of two shadowy figures in her town. Is it all in her head? Why is she freaking out? I don't know. The trailer is like, how mysterious can we make this look? Uh, She keeps scratching the back of her head because like, I don't know, she... Like, early on in the trailer, it shows her, like, sitting in front of several wigs. It's like she's wearing a wig to, like, make herself look different, like, appear as who she wants to portray herself to the world, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But, like, she keeps scratching at the back of her head. So, like, being that this is, like, a horror thriller type movie, um, probably she's going to, like, continuously scratch at the back of her head until, like, her skin comes off. Maybe. I don't know. That's the thing they do in movies. Yeah, and then it, the the skin will come off and it'll turn yeah, out she's then, a robot. Or, you know, the skin comes off and then she gets in the bathtub with the lotion golem and then comes out as a beautiful woman and then, uh, you know, takes over the social circle at the bank. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, watch uh, watch Cabinet of Curiosities from Guillermo del Toro. If you haven't seen it, it's weird and wild and wonderful. Yeah, this looks um, average. Actually, I am curious. Is this some, even a movie? Because uh, they used to say in trailers, and now they don't anymore. Yep, it's a movie. So, uh, so I mean, that's watchable. This is a series. There's there's no way I'm checking this out, but with uh with it being a movie, like yeah, that's yeah, I could watch it. You know, assuming my television uh is fixed at some point, yeah, or I go out and buy a new one. I really don't want to do the second one. Like, no, please, anything but that. All right. Uh. Well, that'll wrap that up. So we'll get into. Uh, some quick hits. So Dan, what did you watch this week? I watched like three, three episodes of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure before my, my TV quit. Uh, most of my watching stuff was off of Netflix, so I won't talk about it here. What did you watch? Uh, I've been watching a lot of Kim's Convenience with 
Vanessa. It's a uh, it's a funny show. It's a Canadian uh, sitcom about an immigrant family who own a convenience store and the hijinks that they get up to. Oh, okay. I'm trying to remember. I think Ashley's watched a couple episodes of this, but I don't know. It's pretty good. I like it. Okay, then. Also, I woke up at 2 a.m. the other night and decided to watch RRR. Which I think is the the thing that you do. That sounds like something someone would do in some universe. I'm not going to try it. Because I live in a place that has hardwood floors. But I think that, like, if I continue getting in shape, I, I probably could learn the Nachi Nachi dance. At least, like, the main part doesn't look that hard, but, like, the part where they're doing suspenders looks kind of hard. Yeah. So, uh, we didn't talk about Oscars, but, uh, of course, RRR was not nominated at the Oscars because India did not submit it for uh, its best foreign language movie. Uh, and considering that it didn't get, even get nominated for that, no one was going to vote for it for uh, best picture. But uh, the the current thing on film Twitter is people saying, hi, please make the, the Nachu Nachu uh, the opening number to uh, the 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 Academy Awards. Oh my god, It'd be so good! I'll immediately turn it off after that, but they'll, they'll have gotten my one watch. But yeah, that's it. Well, okay then. Uh, we're gonna cut and do a quick break, and when we come back from that break, we will talk about our main view topic for the week, which is you people. Hello there, this is Julio from The Contrarians, and if the following ad read doesn't quite sound like me, that's because Gerald wrote the script. Well, let's see how this goes. <clears throat> Every year, Gerald from Two Peas puts on his own personal movie awards, affectionately called the Golden Peas, honoring the previous year in film. This year will be the first as a YouTube broadcast and we'll have guest presenters giving out awards in seven movie categories including Best Movie, Best Female Performance, and Best Horror Movie, just to name a few. And the best part about all of this is that the winners are voted on and chosen by you. These awards are 100% based on your participation and votes. Please help us share and promote it leading up to the event and don't forget to cast your ballot this year. Head over to twopeaceonapod.com slash goldenpeas to see the list of nominees and cast your votes. Then, tune in on Monday, March 13th at 9.30pm Eastern Standard Time to see the winners revealed live on YouTube. We will have some amazing special guests, and Gerald will be joined by co-host, the god of podcasting himself, Brian Loisos. We hope you join us this year to once again celebrate our shared love of the movies. And cut, print, one take. You're welcome. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into one of our main view topics for the week. You People. Uh, you People is an R-rated comedy romance film. It's a 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb currently. Uh, directed by Kenya Barris, written by Jonah Hill and Kenya Barris. Stars Jonah Hill, Lauren London, Eddie Murphy, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, uh, David Duchovny. Michael Mike Epps is here. Rhea Perlman's here. I think that's everybody that I like recognized, I guess. Uh, it follows a new couple and their families who find themselves examining modern love and family dynamics amidst classing, ugh, amidst clashing cultures. 
societal expectations, and generational differences. Opposites attract, families don't. That's true. Uh, Dan, what did you think? All right, so the the big thing that I, the the big positive I took away from this movie is that Lauren London and Jonah Hill have some really good chemistry. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how Jonah Hill would pull Lauren London, but he did. Okay, fine. We're, whatever. We 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 uh, allow this for you know movie magic. It happens. There are some relatable comedy bits in this. I also feel like because the main ingredient of the comedy is cringe, like you're supposed to be cringing at everything that's happening to everybody in this movie because they are put in awkward, horrible situations by family members or, you know, shooting themselves in the foot in the case of Jonah Hill. And uh, my God, did it just need to stop with the cringe comedy bits for probably about like the last half an hour. And it only stopped with like 10 minutes to go. And because, uh, you know, we, we needed to have like. We needed to have like everything wrap up to the point where, uh, you know, we get there, we get Lauren London and Jonah Hill's big scenes in the movie where they're like. Fucking stop. And then. Get to a resolution from there, but not as cleanly. Instead, we got we got a lot of fucking cringe, awkward humor and then thing and then five second resolution at the end that's true overall i would say i liked this movie uh it's longer than it ought to be Mm -hmm. and it always feels like the the movie is trying to be on the verge of saying like some deeply profound thing about uh you know like race relations and how culture has shifted you know specifically in america and you know internet culture you know different shit but uh it kind of feels like you know at the end of it the thing that the movie is really saying is that black people and white people will never get along except for when they do yeah it's a romantic comedy movie First and foremost, so uh, with that in mind, you know exactly how the movie will end. Uh, they they don't pull a La La Land on you where it's like, hey, no, they actually don't wind up together and they do. Th- no, they are together at the end of the movie. So, I mean, if that's going to spoil you on the movie, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, watch more romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. Jonah Hill has this like two minute long monologue point towards the end of like last 10 minutes of the movie. Where he's like, his podcast host uh, was like, yo, black and white people are never going to get along. And he's like, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, he didn't, he, he used his experience without saying it was his experience. But like, yeah, black people and white people are never going to get along because there's just too much shit. And it's, uh, it's just never going to work. And it sucks because, you know, it should work. We, you know, people actually should put in the effort instead of fucking around and being stupid. <laughs> Yeah, you also <laughs> get a fucking scene in this where, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy, who uh, plays her dad and is like, you know, a proud black man who, you know, he lived through, you know, a lot of shit. And, you know, he's 
doesn't trust white people necessarily and just, you know, thinks, you know, it's a hard life of people fucking him out of stuff has, you know, kind of got him set in his ways, I guess. I don't know. I don't fucking know. You know the thing. You get it. Yeah. Uh, And then, like, Julia Louis-Dreyfus meets him and is like, well, we're Jewish, so if you think about it, we're like the OG slaves. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Like that, that's early enough in the movie where like it's still setting the like because the the other thing I do like about this movie really quickly is that it actually takes time setting up like Lauren London and Jonah Hill's characters to where it's like they meet, they fall in love, and then we get into the okay, now we're going to bring the parents into the situation because other movies wouldn't take the time to do the setup. They would just be. It's time to plan our wedding. Oh, oh, we what a surprise engagement! What a great time! And then they're engaged, and it's like, oh, but now we have to bring our families into it. And then the families are just this, and then that's just the movie. Yeah, which is, which like, I I, I like the 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 levity, with still good humor at the beginning, but also like, grounding it to a point where it's like, okay, standardish love story. Now here's hell. Yeah. Oh, but yes, uh, the 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 OG. So like the the whole movie, the the whole rest of the movie is just like cringe, like racist stuff played off for laughs, which worked for me for the most part until it stopped working about like with like 50 minutes left in the movie. I was like, okay, we need to get past this at some point and just have a have a movie about things. And uh, like. Yeah. Uh, it, it, like I said, it was funny. It worked until it didn't. And that that se- that first scene at dinner where they're all together is so fucking awkward the entire time. Yeah, there's not really like an end to it. Like the scene just transitions into something else and then you like, eventually quit thinking about it. it uh, his, Eddie Murphy's Koofy gets caught up. Catches on fire, and then he's like, "Yeah, I got this. I got this koofy from. I think he said he got it from Malcolm X, and he's like, yeah, I wear this, you know, in honor of you know my people's shared past and stuff.' And then Julia Louis Dreyfus is like, "Here, let me move these candles out of the way, uh, and then doesn't blow them out and drops one on his head and burns the koofy to ashes. And then I guess it's like, well, we saved a part of it. I can." you know, frame it and give it back to him as a gift. We're good at like <laughs> creating things out of scraps of things. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Some of the jokes are very weird tonally. Like it just makes, it's just like weird and strange. Uh, we were talking about it pre-roll, but like, is, is Eddie Murphy supposed to be funny in this movie? Because I don't know if he's funny at any point in this movie. I don't think he's meant to be, no. I think he's just, you know, supposed to be kind of a hard ass, but maybe that's funny, because, like, uh, eh, you know, like, he just... It's it's funny, not as in, like, he's quipping and stuff, but he's just, like, so deadpan that it makes anything happening around him seem absurd Yeah, in comparison to it. So, like... I don't know. I, it's actually like it's a side of Eddie Murphy that I haven't seen a whole lot and like kind of speaks to his talent that he's able to like 
rein it in. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, the only time he doesn't rein it in is during the basketball scene, which is uh, probably my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, because yeah. it's just about him being as disappointed as he possibly can be. Yes. Uh, so Jonah Hill at one point when they're meeting and like that, I think that's the reason why Eddie Murphy's deadpan is because Jonah Hill plays like very goofy off, like very goofy, very awkward because like he calls him an intense black man. And there's a whole discussion about the intense black man thing. a lot. Uh, but it's also just like a, a, a very headstrong dad and a, a dad who's very set in his ways that no one is ever good enough for his daughter kind of mm-hmm. thing his the the son-in-law is now attempting to impress him or you know bond with him in some way or shape or form so he's talking about like how he goes to like hooping at langston hughes park i, I fucking pulled that out of my ass my god uh and eddie murphy's like oh yeah we're here at this basketball court. Didn't you say you played some ball at Langston Hughes Court? Which, uh, by the way, I couldn't find online. So, you know. But yeah, why don't you get in there? And, mm-hmm. you know, you think it's going to be Jonah Hill is going to embarrass himself so that he can't hoop. Uh, and it turns out, uh, dude's a fucking baller. He does the coldest fucking move in a basketball movie I've seen since uh, Hustle. Where, and that's also the only basketball scene i've seen in a movie since hustle but it, it, he uh pulls a fake three dude flies past him waves goodbye to the guy and then hits the three <laughs> the fucking coldest thing i've ever uh, seen shit no nah, it's yeah, pretty good great and eddie murphy's just freaking out the whole time being like oh come on guys you cannot let this man do this to you i thought it was yeah. extremely funny and then he he ends up making fun making friends with him all and is like yeah we'll we'll play ball again you know yeah so the the one time Jonah Hill gets up on uh on Eddie Murphy during the events of the movie was like some of the better stuff like it felt like it should have been happening towards the later stages of the movie not like dead center other than that like there's it's not a whole lot that I wanted to get into with this um we can talk about, like I said, the uh, IMDb user ratings. Uh, it is a 5.6 overall out of 10. Mm-hmm. But there's like, we were talking about it a little bit in pre-roll, but like there's like 9.3% of the reviews are one star, which like looking at the bell curve of it, it doesn't fit the the line of the curve. Like you would think reviews would gravitate towards, you know, the middle and they do, but like, I don't know. I, I could believe, I don't have any evidence of it, but I could believe that people are like negatively reviewing this movie because it's like a quote unquote woke movie and yeah, people can't abide that. So whatever. Yeah. And I don't want to say I get it, but like if people were like, look, if people were more like in my camp where it's like, look, it just it like the, the cringe racial humor and like not cringe racial humor, but like the cringe awkwardness, like racial situations that they find themselves in or like, you know, the, the parents having their their discussions and it's just like they keep setting each other off. Like I, I can understand that being a point of contention, but just be like, oh, the first thing we that Eddie Murphy does is when he ta- gets on screen is talk about black suffering. Uh, oh, I can't fucking watch this. This is awful. 
It's like, all right, well, we know what you're doing here. I think the cringiest part was when Julia Louis-Dreyfus met, I guess, uh, like all the bridesmaids. Yep. And was like, oh, I, I really like your tattoo of a heart, but why didn't you get it on your left breast where your heart's at? And it's like, can you stop? Can you stop, it's, please? It, it was it was relatable because uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus felt like my mom in that fucking scene. Where she, yeah, not, I don't know. I like think racist <laughs> stuff, but like the the just like awkward questions that has to be a generational thing because like i man i would never think to like oh i just met this person i better comment on their body real quick yeah uh i did like both of their their speeches lauren london and uh jonah hills uh, jonah hills being like look there's you've been on my ass the whole time uh, about this. Uh, you know, there's no reason for you to be like this. I've tried my best. I've done everything I can and you just won't like me. And that's fine. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. And then Lauren London being like, look, you treat me like a toy. You you take me out on a leash and parade me around to your white friends being like, look at my black daughter in law. And uh, both of those were fair and accurate statements. Now, uh, my my big issue comes after this where they're just like, well, our parents suck. We definitely can't cut them out of our lives. So I guess this relationship doesn't work anymore. <laughs> so we're going to leave each other. And then 10 minutes later, our parents are going to make up and we're going to have a wedding. Yeah, they do like a surprise wedding at them, which like, that's weird. What if Jonah Hill just showed up in his fucking tie dye tracksuit that he wore? I think that would actually be funny. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I don't know. I guess the other thing that I could say is like Julie Louis Dreyfus and Eddie Murphy get a ton of screen time. Uh, his dad and her mom get like very little screen time. And I don't think they're like ever scenes. in a scene without the other parent, but yes. Uh, that being said, like David Duchovny is, you know, also playing very subdued and his, his parenting style is th- there, there, I'm here, uh, <laughs> he's, which he's like present. in terms of uh, white father figures that tracks with my experience. Uh, I'm not yeah. going to do anything. I'm not going to help you. I'm just going to sit over here in my chair. Talk to your mom. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And Nia Long is barely in the movie. Like she gets like. Ultimately, like her character seems like a fucking parrot to Eddie Murphy's. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like she has next to no agency in the movie whatsoever. She just kind of. Exists. Yeah, and I don't know. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it just doesn't seem like they gave them a lot to do. Yeah. Which is fine. This was always about the the mom who can't shut the fuck up and the dad who just doesn't believe anybody's good enough for his daughter. All right. Uh, what would you rate it? Uh, three. Yeah, I'm also going three. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. It just, I don't know. A little too long, wrapped up too neatly. Also wrapped up in, a also the, the third, the third act fallout, uh, happens with 10 minutes to go. And that's not the time to have the third act fallout. All right. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, parents that 
make things complicated for their children. Uh, we're going to move into our second review for Jung underscore E. Uh, it is an action adventure drama film from Korea. It's a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb. On an uninhabitable 22nd century Earth, the outcome of a civil war hinges on cloning the brain of an elite soldier to create a robot mercenary, as directed by Song Ho Yun. Uh, and that's the guy who did Train to Busan. So we'll see if he gets another smash hit or if it's like, you know, kind of hints at the disturbing philosophical implications of RoboCop while maintaining the same level of effect in 2023 and then <laughs> uh, is a disappointing mess at the end. What do you think? So let me let me what are the what are the genres on this? What does IMDb say the genre? Action adventure drama. Yeah. Where's what's the action? Uh <laughs> simulated action cuz it's like so they're working on this robot super soldier using like the stored memories of like Earth's mightiest warrior. Yeah. To create like an advanced combat AI. Uh, so it's like the same scenario plays out repeatedly as they like test this AI and it's like, it does the same thing every time. What are you actually working on? Cause like you haven't changed any of the parameters on anything. Right. So yeah, it's simulated action. And then of course there's like the, the final act big and fight. then the climax. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like outside of that, like this is not an action movie it's not an adventure movie it's it's definitely more of a drama is is drama action a drama sci-fi action which is fine so when you do that when you say oh it's an action like i'm i'm watching i'm rewatching the trailer now and it looks like there's gonna be a bunch of like fucking action beats and and wild fucking stories it's like it it just it being as plainfully average as it is in terms of the way it tells its story how bad the effects are, and all the other shit. It, it comes across as a disappointment again, especially considering the director of the movie. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of alluded to RoboCop. Like, some of the effects are straight up bad. Like, there's a big yes. robot mech thing that, like, moves really jerky, like Ed 209 from RoboCop from, you know, 30 years ago or something. God. Closer to 40. God, when did Robocop come out? 87. So, so 35 years ago. Yeah. I was uh, in diapers when Robocop came out. I wasn't alive. I don't know. I don't know if like they just didn't have a big effects budget or that just wasn't the story they wanted to tell or whatever. But like, I don't know. I, I feel like. CGI can be done pretty cheaply now, but like that isn't necessarily an excuse to have it look cheap. I don't know. Well, I think the big problem with CGI being cheap is that everyone wants to do it. And when you only have X number of visual effects houses, well, then you are going to have rushed work. 
because they all have to hit deadlines. Mm-hmm. So I think that's more it is that everything is just unfinished because everything, everyone is rushing to get shit done. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, also, this movie isn't at all what it uh, purported to be because it's not an action movie. It's a movie about kind of like a family drama. So like the, the main scientist who's working on making this combat AI is the person that it's based on daughter. So like in this dystopian future, whenever you die, you can have them do a brain scan of you. Mm -hmm. And there's a type a where like you're put into, you know, a super cool robot body, but it costs a lot of money, but like you basically get to go on living your life and like you have full human rights in everything. Uh, there's like type B, which is a little bit shittier. Like some of the features aren't enabled on your robots. Like you can't feel love for your children, but you still have like personhood under the law or whatever the fuck. And then there's type C where it's like, you're not like, we're going to take away your human rights and the government can use your brain to create new products and things. Yeah. And it's like, well, why would anybody agree to that? Yeah, exactly. But that's what happens. Uh, This woman's working on a combat AI based on her mother, who was like the biggest hero of this war that we're told about and supposedly is still going on 40 years later, uh, even though we don't see any of it. And like, there's no urgency to the movie that like we have to win the war or whatever. Well, right. And to that point, they even remove the urgency because that becomes a point later in the movie where they're like, yeah, the, the civil war is finally ending after all these years. And uh, we no longer need your mom uh, to do any of this testing. So now she's just going to become a whore robot. Yeah. So they start, you know, cause like they just have her brain scan and it's like, we can use this for any purpose we want. It's so, like, it turns out one of the dudes on fucking on the project is like a fanboy of her mom and has a bunch of like action figures and like cute anime posters of her mom. And then a sex robot of her mom. It's like, that's pretty horrible. Good thing. They took away her human rights so that she doesn't have to, you know, feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like the thing has to be, that she like sets the robot free and the robot has to fight its way out and escape. Doesn't stop the company from continually using her mom's likeness in AI and stuff. It just, she just sets the robot free. Yeah. Well, there's a part like she deletes the original brain scan or whatever. So I guess it's true. But yeah, like this is ultimately like a data rights issue. Like the, the, the director wanted to make a data rights issue basically about like your internet privacy, how you use cookies. Like think about that. Like that is your, the brain scan is the allegory for like the way you, you browse the internet, what you're looking at. So that's how I choose to perceive it. Uh, Is that, is that actually the case? I don't know. Doubtful. Uh, Considering I think this movie is more interested in telling nuggets of ideas than actually. Yeah. It doesn't, figure out what it wants to be and commit to a whole thing. Yeah. Like that's, that's the thing that was ultimately disappointing is like it 
it alludes to like this moral question of, you know, is a sufficiently advanced machine with thoughts and individual feelings. Is that a person? Is it ever okay to not consider it a person? But like, ultimately it's like, now nah, we're going to have a big shootout at the end. Yeah. Uh, the big shootout with the robot police and then, uh, the, the robot clone of the director that he's like, eh, I don't fucking want this thing anymore. Yeah. Uh, a better version of this movie is 2015's Chappie from Neil Blomkamp. And that movie sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm just disappointed in this movie because I just wanted to, to say something instead of just saying, like, little things. Uh, like, hey, here's this idea that I have. Okay, that's cool. Expand on that, please. No. Hey, here's this other idea I have. Oh, that's cool. Please expand on that, please. No. <laughs> like the the best it the best the movie gets is actually when uh the main character goes to the doctor uh for the ethics que- uh, like like she goes for the ethics questions and then she goes to the doctor and check on like her cancerous uh cells. And the doctor is explaining, like, all right, here's all the options that you have for what you can do. And here's, like, yeah. roughly prices for them. And then she leaves, and it turns and the, out the, the doctor was a robot the and, whole time. And, and then the camera pans out, and he, you know, is just, like, on an R2-D2 body from the waist down, and he backs into his charging port. Yeah, and I thought, oh, okay, that's, that's fucking, like... When when he says the, the words like oh, being a type C isn't so bad, it's like it's that seems like uh, copium you're you're trying to serve. And it, it's like oh, you're actually a type C. I'm not kidding. That's the best part of the movie. And if that scene sounds box standingly average for a sci fi movie, you're correct. Yeah. There's a scene in this that. They directly take from iRobot, which is that like there's a bunch of the same model of robot based on her mom standing in a room. Uh, and then bad guys have to come in, but then one of them's the actual robot who like then attacks them. Yeah. It's been a while since, since I've seen iRobot, but yeah, I, I do remember that scene. And actually iRobot had better effects than this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just kind of disappointing on all angles. Yeah. It it makes me actively question how much more clout uh, Song Ho Yun is going to get based off of just Train to Busan. I kind of just think he's a one hit wonder. And, and that's probably the case, because I look at it. He directed Train to Busan, uh, some movie com- called uh, Yum Yuk, uh, then Peninsula. And then he was the showrunner behind Hellbound, which is not a good show. And <laughs> then he did this. What's Parasite the Grey? It's not Parasite the Maximum. It's not an adaptation of that. Uh, but it is humans, spelled the same. Yeah. A group of humans wage war against the rising evil of unidentified parasitic life forms that live off human hosts and stride of... Maybe it is Parasite the Maximum. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Well, now I'm and now I'm slightly worried. Huh. They did do a live action adaptation of Parasite. I believe it. I wonder how bad it is. Let's watch a trailer. 
Oh my god, yeah. So uh, I, I looked it up. Here it is. Uh, plot synopsis for Parasite the Grey. One day, mysterious parasites fall from the sky. They enter humans as their hosts and also murder other humans. The parasites begin to create their own force. Humans must now fight to stop the invading creatures from taking over the world. Uh, Jung Suin is penetrated by a parasite, but the parasite fails to take over her brain. Uh, okay, so they gender swap. So it's it's basically just parasite, but it, like different. It's we have parasite at home. Uh, and this is coming to Netflix sometime this year, apparently. Oh, my God. So we're going to have to watch it. Yay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't have much hope for anything Song, Song Ho Yun does anymore. Like, it, it just feels like Train to Busan was it for him. And that happens, and that's fine. Just like that's di- that's just disappointing. Man, when's Parasite the Maxim coming back to Netflix? I thought that was supposed to be a thing because they had like some anime deal that included it. Oh yeah. Uh, well, it it's on Hulu right now, and it's also on Crunchyroll. I think the problem is is like I think Crunchyroll just gets anime no matter what, and that's baked into all anime shit. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, but I think, I think it has to go through its Hulu deal first, and then it will be, uh, then it will come back to Netflix in theory. But yes, I do remember that, and I don't know what happened to it. Okay. All right, um, I don't really think I have anything else to contribute for Jungie. What would you rate it? I don't either. I went the two. Yeah, that seems right. Uh, look at us doing, you know, agreeing on things. Yeah, I know. All right. Well, uh, next week on the show, we will be reviewing Is That Black Enough for You? Uh, exclamation point, question mark, ex- or no, sorry, question mark, explanation, exclamation point, not an explanation point, question mark. Uh, this comes from Caleb. Because Caleb, uh, as I said to you, uh, February's release schedule looks fucking rough. Yeah. It's it's really bad. So we're going to go back through some of the month and watch some stuff that is from the olden times, a.k.a. anything pre-2023 or pre-February 2023, and just watch some stuff that we wanted to watch but missed. The before time, the long, long ago. Yeah. Uh, and based off of March uh, and we're probably going to do it again there, too. First quarter is going to be real bad for Netflix. I can already tell you. Not looking good for keeping any subs. <sighs> Yikes. Uh, but all that said, uh, we'll also doing, be doing a patron request review for Ashley for the movie Twins, which I know you at one point wanted to make me watch. And Ashley thought, what a great idea. Yeah, let's have the guys watch Twins. I think at one point there was supposed to be a sequel that was supposed to be triplets and they were going to have Eddie Murphy be the other brother. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Yeah. Explain. Explain that. I don't know. (laughs) I guess watch the movie like they might not all have the same dad technically. So. Uh, So, yeah, that's uh, that's what we're doing for next week. Uh, as for us, you can find the show at Netflix and Spoil.com. If you want to stop shop for all things Netflix and Spoil, check out our social medias if you care enough. Uh, if not, that's fine. Thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, Bitter.
And until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.